Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy of our praise, right? So good to see you this morning. I, uh, I know because of uh, the year 2020, things are a little different this Christmas. Someone said the perfect Christmas movie for uh, this year was done 30 years ago. It's called Home Alone. And uh, maybe that is something that uh, we all would consider as uh, a little omen of things to come for this year's Christmas. Uh, someone uh, said this years ago, I, I remember this conversation, and they said they had had a little Christmas scene in their front yard, and some kids were leaving the school, and they were going through the neighborhood, and they heard the conversation. There was the manger scene, Mary and Joseph, the wise men. You can kind of picture the little Christmas scene in someone's front yard. And they heard the kids in conversation, and they said, uh, well, what does this mean? And one of the other children said, I think it has to do something with, something with Christmas. You know, that's kind of sad, but that's where we are today. Uh, we're losing the real meaning, the Christ of Christmas, and I think we have to recapture that. I read a little article even this week, a jeweler, he said a young woman came into the jewelry store and she was looking for a cross for a necklace to give as a gift and they laid out the different crosses for her to survey and look at and she said, let me look at the one that has the little man on it and the jeweler said, oh, you mean Jesus Christ and she said, well, I guess so. You know, we need to recapture the meaning of Christmas. And I think you would all say amen to that. I want you to stand with me. We're going to read out of Matthew chapter 2. This is the account of the wise men. Verse number 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east. We've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to be here today. We celebrate you. We love you. We exalt you. You are our God, the mighty God, and we bless you today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Well, this is Matthew's account of the wise men coming to the Christ child. Now, we've been on a series this Christmas about the unexpected and the unsanitary and the unusual and this is a very unusual birth, right? Unusual signs, an unusual star. Now we have some unusual seekers coming to see the Christ child. Now the question is, who are these men? Well, the Bible calls them wise men, but in the Greek, the original language, it's the magi. Now they were a group of very um, studious, wise, educated men who studied some of the ancient writings. They also most likely studied astrology, thus the star, and they were coming from where we believe was the area of Persia or Arabia, and that would be modern-day uh, Iran today, so we, we think they're coming from that area. 
And we also believe that these men studied the ancient prophecies and the writings of Daniel the prophet. Now Daniel lived hundreds of years before them, but most of you know they did have records and they did have libraries. So in Daniel chapter 9 verse 25, Daniel gives a timetable of when the Messiah was to come. And he said the Messiah was going to come so many years after the rebuilding of Jerusalem in the time of Nehemiah. So could it have been that there was a divine intersection between them reading the prophecies of Daniel and the appearance of the star? So in that divine intersection, these wise men, these magi, if you will, they begin to think we have a timetable of the happening of the Messiah coming. Now... This prophetic timetable, this intersection of the star, initiated these wise men's journey to find the Messiah. Now, we don't know how many wise men there were. Now, we always say three because there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There may have been three or there might have been 300. I mean, I don't know. Uh, They probably did not travel alone. There was probably an entourage of them. We don't know how they traveled. We usually say camels, but they might have been on a camel or an Arabian horse for all we know, or they may have walked. So there are a lot of things that we don't know, but through tradition, we've given them names. We have, uh, uh, you know, given a lot of things through tradition, but the Bible's silent on that, so we just have to say we just don't know. But we do know that a Messiah was born. We do know wise men of the Magi came from the east. We do know they came where the Christ child was, and we learn from this journey from these magi. Now, I want to say this to you, and I want you to be very careful to listen to me. Every one of us are on a journey. You can either be on a wise journey, or you can be on the other type of journey. And I don't want to say dumb journey, but how many of you know we need to be wise? And so these wise men give us a little account of their journey. Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes about this so in this second chapter what can we learn from this journey of the wise man now there's several things I want us to observe here the first one is the distance say that with me the distance these men traveled a long long way now we don't know exactly how long they traveled but most scholars believe they traveled anywhere from 300 to 800 miles now let me tell you Without a vehicle, that is a long, long way, 300 to 800 miles. It took them weeks, and most likely it took them months to make that journey. So they're headed somewhere. Now, why would they make this type of journey? Any journey is not easy. How many of you know if you just go on a little way, sometimes it's not easy, especially if you got people in the back seat saying, are we there yet? And I don't know if the wise man had anybody behind the camel or the Arabian horse saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I remember a little boy saying one time, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And his dad turned around and said, I don't want to hear that anymore. Are we there yet? And then the little boy said, well, I'll still be six years old when we arrive. So sometimes journeys just take a long, long time. And so they were in a distant journey. So they had to travel a long way. Now, this is what they knew. They knew that a king was born, verse 2, where is he that has been born king? They knew he was king of the Jews. They made that very clear. They knew this king was witnessed by a supernatural light or star. 
And they knew that. And this king was not a common king, but a king to be worshipped. So these wise men, these magi, indicate that to us from the scripture we have there in Matthew. So they traveled a long distance. Have you ever said this in your life, and I, I certainly have done it in my life, this is where I want to go, these are my goals, these are my aspirations, but it seems like they're a long way off. How many of you know God's timing and your timing is not the same timing? And if you're going to be wise, and I'm going to be wise, then we have to trust God that when we see things in the distant, we just keep moving to the objective. Can I hear an amen? Now here's the second observation I want you to get. Not only the distance, but the dangers. Say that with me, the dangers. A journey like this, with this timetable that they're traveling, is subject to thieves, marauders, someone that's going to interdict them on their journey, someone who's going to stop them on the way. So here, here they are, they're traveling, but they're traveling with a little bit of danger. They could have been attacked any time during their travels. Now, why is this important? Because, listen, not only are they just traveling, but they're carrying treasure with them. Because the Bible is very clear. Verse 11, when the wise men came to the house, saw Mary and the child, they opened their treasures. So they're not just uh, traveling with, you know, just a, a, a small supply for journey. I mean, they're, they're packing the goods, aren't they? They have very valuable treasure with them. And I, I want to say something about the enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So when you're on your journey of distance, when you're on your journey, there's always danger. So we have to watch, we have to look, because there are people there wanting to kill, steal, and destroy. Now this is what I found out when I even became a Christian on my journey. Uh, there's the danger of being misunderstood. There's the danger of losing some relationships. You know, some people say, well, I'm afraid that, you know, uh, if, if my friends, you know, weren't Christians and then I become a Christian, I, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to tell them that I don't do this anymore and, and, you know, I may have to take care of that relationship. It's not a positive relationship. This is what I found out. If, if you just love the Lord, that relationship will take care of itself. You won't have to tell them. They'll just abandon you. So we don't want that to happen. We want to keep our friends. We want to keep those relationships and even family relationships. But I want to tell you something. There is the danger. If you wholeheartedly follow Jesus Christ, some people may peel off and go another direction. And probably everybody here has had a little bit of that action in their own life. There's a danger of being opposed. There's the danger of being persecuted. There's a danger of being lied about. I want to tell you something. Being a pastor of the church does not give you an exclusion of being lied about. I want to tell you there's been so many things said about me and my family and my wife that is absolutely not true, but people assume things. They lie, they oppose, they persecute, and in some cases, and we don't see that much in the United States, some people are even martyred. That's the danger of martyrdom for their faith. Listen, in the time that this is written, there are some very cruel kings and leaders, Herod being one of them, and God had to warn these wise men, you need to go a different direction than you came because Herod will try to kill you if you go back to Jerusalem. There's danger on the journey. Now I want to tell you something. 
If you and I start our Christian walk and say, listen, this is going to be a cakewalk, you need to rethink your Christian walk. There's distance. Not everything comes in a moment. There's danger. There's going to be some difficulties along the way, which is number three. Say that with me. Difficulties. Let's say it together. Difficulties. Folks, no one slides right into heaven. No one is coming with these wise men into Jerusalem without difficulties. If you're traveling 300 to 800 miles and you're not in a Cadillac, how do you know it's difficult? There's no air conditioner. There's no heater. There's no eight-way seat. There's no SM radio there. I mean, I'm telling you, they are having a difficult journey, even though they're wise men and they're royalty and they're wise in all the maybe arts and astrology, this is still a very difficult journey. And sometimes we want everything smooth, right? We want the sun to shine. There's no storms. There's no sandstorms. There's no rain. There's no lightning. Um, there, there's no hotels. There's no motels. you got to pitch a tent every night to try to have some kind of shelter. I remember years ago, uh, Dr. Jeff told me a story about when his kids were small, they took trips, and many times they traveled. And he said on one of those trips, uh, one of his sons said, Dad, can we stay at a motel with a number higher than six? <laughs> well, you know, we, we want all the amenities, and we want all the comfort we can get. But in this journey, going across some difficult time, difficult landscape, you know, for weeks and months, traveling maybe up to 800 miles, this is not an easy, easy journey. And for you and I to think our journey is going to be easy, we need to rethink it. You've got to be wise. You've got to think, listen, I'm going to have some difficulties along the way with this journey. Uh, look with me to verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise man, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. How many of you know, liar, liar, pants on fire? I mean, Herod has, he has no, he has no inkling, no intention about going and worshiping this child who is proclaimed king of the Jews. Let me tell you why. Because he believes he is the king of the Jews. And he's going to stomp out and stamp out every bit of competition for his authority, his seat, his reign, his power, his position, and he has no intention of worshiping this child who's born king of the Jews. Listen, if you know anything about Herod, Herod is a cruel, cruel man. He's murdered his wives, his sons, and when he died, he gave a list to his uh, henchmen, if you will, of all the people that he wanted murdered when he died. Because this is what he knew. No one will cry for me when I'm dead. So I want tears in Jerusalem. So he had many of the officials and the loved and beloved people who were in authority killed at the same time he died so there'd be weeping in Jerusalem. That's a cruel man. And folks, I want to tell you something, that you and I have to make this decision. Either he's going to be king, we're talking about Jesus, 
or I'm going to be king, and every heart has a throne on it, and you and I have to decide who's going to be king. And we have to decide that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the king of my life, and I'm going to step down off the throne, and I'm going to put him on the throne of my heart, because if I don't, I'll be eternally lost. So Herod has no intention of worshiping this child. Now let me backtrack just a little bit. How many of you know the wise men were guided by a star? The Greek word there is the word astor, or aster, where we get the word astrology, asteroid. I mean, you get the picture. Now, I don't know what type of star this is. It's been, you know, a lot of, you know, conjections over the, uh, the years, a lot of theories. Is it a supernova? Is it the alignment of the planets? Is it a comet? You know, we don't know. But I, I want to just look at verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now this star guided them from the east to Palestine, and even when they had met with Herod and the other scribes and the Pharisees there in Jerusalem, when they left Herod, the star was still guiding them. They saw the star, and the star went where the child was and stood over the, the, the child. Now, that's an amazing star. Now, I don't know what kind of star that was, but in, in the Greek, that, that star means some kind of heavenly light, obviously, in the heavens. But let me just give you a, a little different twist on this, and I, I'm not saying this is the, the gospel truth here, but I'm going to give you a little thought. How many of you know it's all right to think in church? This unusual star traveled before them until it came to the Christ child and it stopped over there. There may be another answer to this, and, and, and I want to throw this out to you. I've never really preached on this, even though maybe I've thought of it. Could this have been the Shekinah glory of God? Now, this word Shekinah, Shekinah is, a, is a word that's really not used in, in your Bible, although there's another word called the Shekan, which is in your Bible. Now, Shekinah, and you've heard this if you've been in church very long, the Shekinah glory of God. Anybody heard about that before, Shekinah glory of God? It means the glory of divine presence, dwelling or settling of the presence of God. Now, this Jewish expression of the glorious presence of God, the settling down or the abiding is always described as a glorious presence and even the shepherds, the night that Christ was born, the angels appeared. And not only the angels was there, but the Bible says, and the glory of God. So you go back and read that. Now, is this something that's happened before? And the answer is, absolutely yes. Do you, do you know that when Israel left Egypt, going to the promised land, God had to guide them? You know how he guided them? There was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And you know what they did? They followed the fire. Almost like these wise men, right? They followed this heavenly light or this fire of God and they followed the light. Now, now here's another account in your Bible. The glory or the Shekinah of God appeared over the tabernacle in the wilderness. So they would pitch the tabernacle 
And when Moses or uh, Joshua would go there, the glory of God would come down over the tabernacle. And it was a visible, glorious light of God. Another time was when Solomon is dedicating the temple. If you go back and reread that, when, when they sacrificed and they dedicated the temple, you know what happened? The Bible says the Shekinah glory of God came down in the house like a cloud and the priest couldn't even minister anymore because the presence of God was so strong. Now, whether it's an asteroid, a supernova, a comet, I don't know. But I know this, there was a celestial, divine, supernatural light that led the wise man to the Christ child. Now, these guys, these magi, they come. Jesus has already been born. He's not in a stable anymore. They're in a house. Mary is there. Now, not only is there an unusual light, star, unusual visitors, but there's some unusual gifts. Look with me at verse 11. And when they had come... Into the house they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, folks, I've been to a few baby showers in my life, but I've never had anybody come to a baby shower bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, that might be okay. The first two, the last one would be a little creepy. Because let me tell you what gold, frankincense, and myrrh represents. And these are wise men. Listen, they're wise men. So they know what they're bringing. Do you know gold is representing a king? That nearly every king in that time, in that day, wore a golden crown. And so they're recognizing this baby as king. Now listen, they said, where is born the king of the Jews? I, I want to go a step further. Not only is he the king of the Jews, he is king of kings. And he is Lord of lords. And so they come and present him this most valuable medal at the time. They presented him gold because it is fit for a king. Now the second gift they gave him was frankincense. Kind of like the little boy in the play said, we present to you gold, frankenstein, and myrrh. Well, it's not frankenstein, it's frankincense. Now frankincense is, is from a tree. And almost like uh, you uh, collecting maple syrup, what they would do, there are certain trees in that region of Arabia and Mesopotamia, and they would go and they would scar the tree, and they would slice the bark, and as they slice the bark, the sap or the resin of the tree would extrude or bleed, if you will, from that bark. And it would dry. It would be kind of a white, uh, milky-looking type sap that would harden on the outside. And they would come along and they would scrape off that hardened sap or that residue from the tree. And they would collect it and they would scar it again and it would bleed again. Now, what is frankincense? Frankincense was used in the incense of the altar with worship. So not only is he a king representing the gold gift, he is also our high priest because the priest would allocate and give the incense to be burned on the altar and that was a type of worship that would be given under the old covenant. So that incense was like praise going up before Almighty God. So it was gold for a king, it was frankincense 
for a priest, and how many of you know he is our high priest, and he has been touched by every feeling of infirmity, every difficulty, every hurt, every wound that we have ever felt in our life. How many of you know your high priest has felt that? Now, not only is there gold and frankincense, then there is this unusual word, myrrh. Now, myrrh is used for embalmment. These wise men knew that he would be king, he would be priest, he would also be the suffering savior that would die for the sins of the world. And so they brought myrrh. Now, what's myrrh used for? It is to put in the wrappings of a mummified body for preservation for burial. They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, you may remember reading in your Bible when they took Jesus off the cross. They wrapped him up. And then that Sabbath, the Bible says the women prepared through the Sabbath oils and spices for the treatment of his body that next morning. That's why they were going to the tomb. The Bible also says that there were two very influential men in Jerusalem that was there that took the body of Jesus. It was a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea and then another man by the name of Nicodemus. Anybody remember Nicodemus who went to Jesus by night? The Bible says that Nicodemus brought hundreds of pounds of myrrh for the preservation of the body of Jesus. Let me tell you, it wasn't Joseph of Arimathea that came first with myrrh. It wasn't Nicodemus that came first with myrrh. It wasn't the women that was preparing the body with myrrh. How many of you know the first myrrh that was given was given by the wise men? So they recognized him as king, as prophet, and as the suffering Savior who would die for the sins of the world. How many of you are glad that uh, he, he died for the sins of the world? I'm telling you, we're celebrating his birth but I'm going to proclaim today that that birth pointed to the cross, and the cross is pointing to our sin, and Jesus died for our sins, and he purposely died for our sins. You may have never heard this. Matter of fact, I shared it with some of the staff the other day. Jesus is the only one who ever walked this earth that chose to die. You say, now, Pastor, listen, there's a lot of people who choose to die. No, they only choose the time of their death. They don't choose to die because they're going to eventually what? Die. Well, what about a terrorist? He chose to die. No, he only chose the way he died. He only chose the time he died because he's going to die anyway. It's pointed out to men once to die, then the judgment. Now, why do we die? We die because sin entered the world and the wages of sin is death. Follow along with me here. This is important. Jesus had no sin. Are you with me? He had no sin. So if he hadn't chosen to die, he would have never died. If Adam hadn't sinned, Adam would have never died, but Adam sinned. And now we have the second Adam coming along. Jesus is referred to the second Adam. He has no sin, but he chose to die. Listen, I'm glad he chose to die. Because when he died, then I had the opportunity to live. So he is the suffering Savior. Look at verse 11. The wise man, they fell down and worshipped him. Say that with me. They fell down and worshipped him. 
point here, it says they worshipped him and not them. Oh, that's very important there. They worshipped him and not them. So he's the only one to be worshipped. Listen, this is highly unusual. Very unusual. Because if he is not God, then he should not be worshipped. If he is not God, they're committing blasphemy at the highest level. But he is God in the flesh, this child born in the manger, this child in the house with Mary, is Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't that what separates Christianity from Islam and Mormonism and Jehovah Witness? We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and God incarnate, and he is to be worshipped. And these wise men fell down and worshipped him. And they had some idea of who they were worshipping, I believe. They're not just worshipping, you know, a prophet or a teacher or some other religious leader that came along. Not just an earthly king. They're worshipping the one who is God in the flesh. You know, in John chapter 8, most of you are familiar with this there's an encounter between Jesus and the religious leaders. And they're accusing him of having a devil or a demon. How many of you remember this in the Bible, in John chapter 8? And they're saying, you must be uh, demonic. Your, your father is the devil, and our father's Abraham. So this is the interchange between the religious leaders and Jesus, John 8. And Jesus looked back at those religious leaders. He said, if Abraham was your father, you'd believe me. He said, because your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it was glad. <laughs> and they laughed at him and said, you're not even 50 years old, and you're telling us that you've seen our father Abraham? And here's the classic line. Before Abraham was, I am. You know what he did? He went all the way back to Exodus chapter 3 and took the name of Almighty God from the burning bush that was speaking to Moses and he applied it to himself and he says, I am. And if he's not who he said he was, he just committed blasphemy. But how many of you glad he is who he said he is? Amen. i tell you what. Easter is great, the resurrection. Christmas is great, the birth. But I'm telling you what, it's all about the one who is great. And it's the one who was birthed, it's the one who rose, it's the one who lives today. That we have a living Savior. Now I want you to see something as we close today. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And it says, unto us a child is born. Now that might have been sufficient, but you know, the Holy Spirit's moving around the prophet Isaiah. It's not a child born, but a son is given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the child is born, but the son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, what? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Isaiah is looking to the future of the birth of this baby. And he says, don't get this wrong. This is who's born in Bethlehem. If you're going to be wise, you need to understand who you're falling down and worshiping, who you're giving gifts to, because you shouldn't worship just anybody or anything. There's only one to be worshiped, and that's Almighty God. 
And he came to us in the flesh as the Son of God, and we are worshiping him. Now, listen to this. There's the distance. Sometimes we feel like we're closer to God than other times. I don't know if you ever felt that, but I, I have. Sometimes I felt like I prayed and my prayer bounced off the ceiling and ricocheted right back at me. Have you ever prayed that way? That doesn't mean God didn't hear. It's just my feeling. Sometimes I feel like I'm distant to God. But how many of you know, I couldn't get to God. He had to come to me. He, he, he breached that distance. He, he came to us. And, and then there's the dangers. And sometimes when you and I are living this Christian life, the enemy will put in your mind, listen, it'd be better if you weren't a Christian. It'd be better that you just go out and be like everybody else. How many of you don't want to be better? The same things that happens to the world sometimes happens to us. But here's the difference. You have an advocate. You have a savior. You have a comforter. You have a guide. You have the spirit of truth. You have hope because even all the dangers of this life, we have hope beyond this life. He is the blessed hope. So there's the distance, there's the dangers, there's the difficulties, and everybody's felt those. Christians even get sick. Christians even get COVID-19, don't they? Christians even have family troubles. Christians even have children that go astray. You say, well, if, if we were good Christians, that wouldn't happen. Let me tell you something. God had two kids in the garden, and both of them went astray. So I want to comfort you today. I want to tell you that you will have difficulties, but be of good cheer. He's overcome the world, and in the end of this, he's going to make it okay. So he is what? The prince of peace through our difficulties. But not only the distance and the dangers and the difficulties that these wise men went through, when they got to the house where Mary and the child was, they had discovery. They discovered what they were looking for. They discovered the Messiah, the King of the Jews, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Counselor. So they, they had discovery in their life. You see, they came to that house with earthly treasures in their hands. But hopefully they left that house with heavenly treasures in their heart. And I hope that's what happens to every one of us this Christmas. That we're going to give earthly treasures. Matter of fact, I bought some earthly treasures yesterday. Carrie wrapped them up and put them under the tree. And uh, I don't know what's going to be in my stocking. Maybe a lump of coal this year. I'm not for sure. But I would assume by faith I'm going to get something and it's going to be earthly treasures. Somebody had to pay something for that gift. But let me tell you, the greatest gift you'll ever get is your relationship with Jesus Christ that brings salvation. And that gift costs something. It costs a lot. The one who would have never died unless he chose to die gave you that gift. And he gave me that gift. The gift of eternal life, it is a gift. And like any other gift that you might get on Thursday or Friday or Saturday, whenever you choose to celebrate, whoever hands you that gift, you, you have to respond. You have to reach out, and guess what? You have to take it. 
For God so loved the world, he didn't love the church. How many of you know he loves the world? He loves good people, he loves bad people, he loves <laughs> mixed up people and people who are confused, people who are trying to come to some kind of realization of what's going on in this world. He loves them all. But let me tell you something, they and you and I still have to reach out and take the gift. The gift is offered. It's not his will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But you and I still have to reach out and take the gift. And that gift is Jesus Christ. That gift was in a manger. That gift was in the house. That gift was on the cross. That gift is still alive today. And he keeps on giving. Never stops giving. The greatest giver in the universe is God. Even when we as humanity shaking our fist at God, we don't believe in God. God is still there. Still loving us, still caring for us. That's why he's God. And he's God alone. And he loves you and he loves me. You know, for some people, there's a lot of fond memories about Christmas. For a lot of people, they're like Jacob Marley and Ebenezer Scrooge. It's the ghost of Christmas past. It's not all fond memories. Some of the most depressing times for people is the holidays. But you know what? If we get our mind off of all that and get our mind on the glory of God, what happened there in Bethlehem and the trip of the wise men, we can be wise seekers too. And we can have the joy of Christmas. Goodwill to men, peace on earth, because he is the Prince of Peace. Just stand with me this morning. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.